Does anyone remember when coffee shops used to have tip jars with the word karma written on them? You don't see this much anymore, but back in the 1990s it was pretty common. It even made it into an episode of The Simpsons. To avoid starting a karmic chain of events related to copyright infringement, I won't play the clip. But in it, Homer goes up to a stand at a festival to buy a hat. After he purchases the hat, the guy behind the counter taps a jar with tips written on it. Dude, karma! What? Homer interjects. Karma! Karma! The hat seller says, gesturing towards the jar. There's a pause, and Homer simply intones, Oh, I get it. He turns and walks away. Now, apologies to the entire cast of The Simpsons, and the team of The Simpsons, and anyone who has ever watched The Simpsons, for my really bad impression. The thing is, Homer clearly doesn't get karma, but neither does the guy tapping the tip jar, at least not in a deep way. And neither does the average American, despite the fact that the word karma is arguably one of the most common Hindu concepts to have entered into casual usage in the Western world. I'm Matt McDermott, and this is all about Hinduism, Episode 8, What Karma Is and Isn't. At its most basic, coming from its root in Sanskrit, karma is action. Expanded slightly, karma is a universal principle of cause and effect. All of our actions, and all actions in the world, have a cause a long series of events influencing the present action. Everything does indeed have a purpose in this sense, even if the chain of events that led to the present moment is complex, nuanced, or otherwise obscured. In turn, whatever action we take inevitably has ripple effects, moving outwards, influencing future events, with the influence sometimes being obvious and direct, sometimes very subtle and indirect. Occasionally, the effects are felt relatively quickly. Think prepping well and giving it all for a project and it going well. Often, though, it may take months, years, or lifetimes to witness the ripening of the fruit of our actions. Think, why is it that you met your close friend, who maybe has been there for you in a time of need? Karma is frequently expressed in terms of positive or negative value judgments. When an individual's actions are positive, they will experience positive effects or rewards. If their actions, on the other hand, are negative, lying, stealing, hurting, the results will be negative. And that is true. But it's also true that you can view karma without applying value judgments. Any action we take simply leads to other actions, and other actions, and other actions. I point this out because while some actions are clearly positive or clearly negative, more commonly, there is a mixture of judgments that can be applied based on the circumstances and specifics of a situation, which ends up leading you to important self-growth or a life lesson. Nevertheless, it's important to remember that individual karma is based on a person's thoughts, words, and actions, and the choices they make. Karma is generally divided into three categories, latent karma, ripened karma, and future karma. Latent karma is the accumulated karma from your past thoughts and actions, the results of which will eventually be experienced in the future. This is like the seed of a tree you planted in the past. In due time, the tree will grow and produce a particular fruit you're destined to eat. 
The karma you're experiencing now is the seed of a past action that has grown into a tree, producing the fully ripened fruit you're eating in the present. Future karma is a seed of action you're planting in the present that will inevitably produce the fruit of the future. The three categories of karma ultimately work in creating a cycle of cause and effect. Karma is habit-forming. Repeated actions become like grooves in the mind that get deeper and deeper. You have the free will to change your habits at any time, but the deeper the groove, the harder those habits, whether good or bad, are to change. None of this is strictly deterministic, though. Our past actions, thoughts, and beliefs do create karmic predisposition for certain choices, but we do have free will. We have the ability to choose our course in life, following our dharma, to best guide our physical and spiritual development. It's up to each of us to decide to either go along with the sometimes deeply ingrained habits karma has created for us, which only deepens the habit, the tendency for this pattern to be played out again, or to go against habit and choose a different course of action. In time, through the effort of breaking from habit, this particular karmic tendency is eliminated. One of the most apt passages from the Upanishads on karma is this. As a person acts, so he becomes in life. Those who do good become good. Those who do harm become bad. Good deeds make one pure. Bad deeds make one impure. You are what your deep, driving desire is. As your desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. Because karma is habit-forming, creating those deep grooves in the mind, it can be very difficult to make and follow through with better choices, even if one wants to. Take, for example, exercise. Lack of exercise usually makes one less healthy, have less energy, and even can cause laziness. The more people choose to not exercise, the worse they generally feel, and the worse they feel, the harder it will be for them to begin exercising, even if they want to break the negative cycle. Our choices shape our perception of reality, which is why the less people exercise, the more they might come to believe they're simply incapable of getting in shape, fueling a cycle of negative exercise karma. However, by spending time with people who are not only disciplined in their exercise routines, but also willing to share what they know, one has a much better chance of breaking through personal negative health habits, create new positive ones. In the same way, by spending time with and taking guidance from spiritually advanced souls, it becomes possible to overcome lifetimes of karmic baggage, opening the door to profound spiritual growth. Hindu sages and scholars have written extensively on the different types of karma, how it manifests in our lives, how to mitigate some of it, and how to avoid it. Less has been said about how karma specifically relates to the environment. Here, in addition to individual karma, we must recognize that there is also a sort of collective karma. It's a sum of all our individual actions played out in the natural world and the consequences of those actions. As with our individual actions, these collective actions have long-reaching repercussions. What we do today directly influences what we do tomorrow, what we are capable of doing. Moving back to the more conventional conception of individual karma, you can't discuss karma without also discussing reincarnation, which is what we'll be discussing next time on All About Hinduism. This show is produced, written, and edited by me, Matt McDermott. This episode was based in large part off an article written by All About Hinduism's associate producer, Sean Allard. 
for the HAF blog, That's So Hindu, as well as containing contributions written by myself a number of years ago, developed in collaboration with Shanika Rishi Das from the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. All About Hinduism's academic advisor is Dr. Shireen Bala. Suhag Shukla reviews each episode, making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. Before you go, do us a favor. Leave us a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please also subscribe or follow us so you can get all the episodes the moment they're released. Also, you can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate. Thanks so much for listening.